Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When it comes to Doctor Who, you have to expect the unexpected. Every series we've had thus far has been packed with twists and turns, which makes us question everything we know about our favourite time-travelling Time Lord. But as the years have rolled on, it's become easier and easier to spot where these big reveals will be. The Doctor was the Timeless Child. That was hugely predictable, to be honest. And of course, there have been events that could have been amazing and completely unexpected if the BBC hadn't have told us about them, like John Sims' master appearing in series 10. What an amazing cliffhanger that would have been if the BBC didn't pissing tell us. Though even though the Whovian collective have a hive mind so powerful it can guess the next 14 seasons of the show's plot twists and turns, there have been moments in the Hooniverse since 2005 that have genuinely taken us by surprise. These are scenes that change the fabric of reality, be it in the Hooniverse or in our own, and it made us all do our best David Tennant impression when we all said, what? Oh, and before we begin, spoilers, obviously. My name is Rich, welcome to Who Culture, and these are the 10 most unexpected Doctor Who moments. Number 10, Captain Jack is the face of Bo. Series 3 is often overlooked, and yet it had some fantastic stuff within it, like the whole Harold Saxon thing present throughout the entire series, but most fans were puzzled by another mystery. How did the face of Bo, who appeared in Gridlock, know about Professor Yana slash the Master? When the series was coming to a close, we all just thought, ah, they're just not going to cover it. But we were wrong. At the end of the Last of the Time Lords, the series finale, as Captain Jack is back in Cardiff and heading back to Torchwood, he turns to Doctor and Martha and... Ooh, he tells them he had a very interesting nickname during his time at the Time Agency. He was called... The face of Bo. Cue shocked expressions everywhere. Not only the audience, but even the Doctor and Martha, who'd both met the face of Bo themselves. But when you go back to it, all the signs were there to point out this not being completely ludicrous. Yet no one joined the dots. Jack, of course, is immortal, so he will have lived for thousands of millions of years. Becoming a big head, we didn't so much know about that, but it works. For years, Russell T. Davies has said this was only a theory, but during the lockdown rewatch of New Earth, he confirmed this is actually true. Number 9. The Tenth Doctor is shot. 
Death is the only certainty in Doctor Who. You boot up any episode, someone's gonna die. And we all know the Doctor, whichever incarnation, will have to meet their end at some point, but usually we know it's coming because the actor has already said they're gonna leave the show. So imagine us in 2008 watching The Stolen Earth in Series 4, knowing that Rose is coming back, to see them running together. They're gonna meet each other the first time in years and they've missed each other so much and then a Dalek just appears out of nowhere and shoots David Tennant. The episode ends with Tennant regenerating, like actually regenerating, going into the finale on probably the biggest cliffhanger we've had in Doctor Who ever. We all thought, no, seriously no. They're not just gonna bring out the new Doctor now with absolutely no fanfare, what the hell? Now, of course, the Doctor doesn't fully regenerate. He siphons off the rest of the regeneration energy into his hand that's under the TARDIS in a little jar, and the Metacrisis Doctor is born, blah, 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 blah. It's still counted within the regeneration cycles of a Time Lord, but we didn't get a brand new Doctor like we thought we would. Still, that was one hell of a rug pull, something they still haven't matched yet. Number eight, Oswin is a Dalek. Before we had Clara, we had Oswin, who was quite an interesting character in Series 7's opener, Asylum of the Daleks. Though the episode itself left a lot to be desired, that's not what we're actually talking about, as Oswin is a sole survivor of a crashed ship on said Asylum Dalek planet thing, and as far as we're aware, she's trapped in the ship-making souffle. Now, we already knew that Jenna Coleman had been cast as Clara and would be appearing in the latter half of Series 7, but we weren't expecting her to be here now. But then the big surprise reveal happens. Oswin is a Dalek. She's basically repressed the fact that she's been converted and imagines herself trapped in the ship, but because she's still technically a Dalek, she can hack into the hive mind, causing the entire Dalek parliament to forget who the Doctor is. It's the only way she could have survived on a planet full of insane Daleks. No human would get very far. And of course, she wasn't human. It is a real sucker punch reveal, not only for the audience, but also for the 11th Doctor, somebody he thought he could save. But alas, it's probably the best moment out of a pretty mediocre episode, and I'm saying that about something to do with Clara, or almost Clara. That's a good tick in my book. Number seven, the origins of the Timeless Child. Okay, we've already mentioned it once, let's just get on with it. The Timeless Children brought about a lot to Doctor Who lore. Some of it good, most of it pretty bad. Some people liked it, some people didn't, some people hated it. I'm in the ballpark of edging towards I absolutely f***ing hate it. Go and watch my Things to Fix in Series 13 video to watch me rant about that. Calm down, Rich. As said, the whole reveal that the Doctor is the Timeless Child was very, very obvious, so let's talk about the bit that is a bit more interesting and a bit more rug-pully, which is the actual origin of the Time Lords themselves. So if you need a quick refresher, Tech Tayun found this gate, found a child underneath it. This child could regenerate infinite number of times. She harnessed that regeneration energy and basically created the Time Lords out of bog-standard Gallifreyans. Caught up? Cool. Even though this twist is pretty damn problematic and it has definitely not won over even, I don't know, a third of the fan base, and that's if I'm putting it nicely. But still, kudos to such a big rug pull. No, it's not going to be a great thing in the history of the show and how we go forward again. Go and watch my Series 13 video for more information about me ranting on that. But the twist itself was still pretty good, and as much as they kept bilking up the fact they were doing some kind of big twist, it was still unexpected for it to be that damn big. Number six, the 11th Doctor dies. If the Doctor's regeneration in the Stolen Earth was unexpected, the Doctor dying in episode one of series six, that was even more ridiculous. 
It was already teased that somebody big was going to die in the show. That usually leads to a pretty big fake-out. Look at The Simpsons, it was Rabbi Krostovsky of all bloody people. But for Doctor Who, it was actually the Doctor. The Doctor died in episode one. No regeneration, just an astronaut coming out of a lake, shooting the Doctor in the face, and then they give him a big old Viking burial on a burning ship. Very, very good, nice, colourful, bright start to a series, eh? Obviously, we knew that the Doctor wasn't dead. Dead. He was gonna show up again, he faked his death, but he does show up again, but it's a younger Doctor with no idea what's gonna happen to him. That set up the events of Series 6, which ended up being quite interesting as the series played out, but we were not expecting this kind of thing to happen this early. The Doctor dying, put it in between series, put it right at the end of the finale and give us a year to mull over what's happening. But instead they were like, here you go, episode one. I said that three times. Episode one. Number five, Amy is a ganger. Continuing with the six series, there were a lot of twists to come. And one of them was Melody Pond being Amy and Rory's daughter, who's actually River Song. That was not necessarily guessable, but wasn't as big as this one. Instead of talking about A Good Man Goes to War with that reveal, let's talk about Rebel Flesh and The Almost People, which features people working with like flesh duplicates of themselves within a factory. Of course, it all goes very John Carpenter's The Thing, and it all becomes a bit scary. But this wasn't actually just some small two-parter. This actually served a lot of plot stuff for the entire series. The big revelation being that Amy herself has been one of these big goopy gangers the entire time, at least in this series. Of course, Amy has been taken by the silence and her baby, River Song, is going to be brainwashed to kill the Doctor, but to stop Rory and the Doctor arousing suspicion, they put a ganger of Amy in her place. Now, looking back, there are moments to realise that something about Amy isn't right. The whole pregnant, not pregnant, pregnant, not pregnant thing the Doctor kept seeing was a sign of that. And eventually, after dealing with the flesh for the first time, the Doctor realises that Amy, you're basically plasticine, mate. Number four, the Daleks emerge from the Void Ship. There are some moments in a fandom where you cannot not just scream with delight. Peter Capaldi appearing in the Day of the Doctor, that was a big one for me. That and Christopher Eccleston's minor reused footage cameo, but that was close enough. And perhaps the best example of Doctor Who, bar most of the Day of the Doctor, was the fact the Daleks reappeared at the end of Series 2, right at the end of the Army of Ghosts, being the creatures within the Void Ship that weren't actually Cybermen. I was like, what, 10, 11 when this aired, and I was obsessed with Daleks. I mean, I, I still am. And seeing them come out the ship again was just the best, and one of them's black. <gasps> this brought about one of the most devastating but also brilliant episodes in the show is History Doomsday. Seeing the Daleks and Cybermen finally come together for the first time in like, what, 40 years? Up to this point, we had no idea the Daleks were indeed coming back for this series, and you know, surprise, here they are. No fanfare, no build-up, just Daleks. To be honest, that's how they should do Daleks anyway. Just drop them in our laps, let us scream at the TV. I've not done that in Doctor Who since Captain Jack came back in Fugitive of the Jadoon. Just, just surprise Daleks. All the time. Number three, John Hurt is the War Doctor. 2013 celebrated 50 years of Doctor Who, and we knew that we were going to get some big stuff after Series 7, and Series 7 itself ended with the name of the Doctor, which did bring about that big thing we were hoping for. After a rather confusing finale and the whole, I was born to save the Doctor, bleh, we did get one great thing, and that was John Hurt revealing himself to be the Doctor, a version of the Doctor that was previously unknown because Eccleston, Tennant, and Matt Smith had all repressed him 
because he was a bad dude. Now in recent years we've discovered that this wasn't originally how it was going to go. Christopher Eccleston was going to be the person, the doctor, who was within the Time War, but after he refused to come back to the show in 2013 for unfortunate reasons, Stephen Moffat wrote in the War Doctor instead, and it actually did a really nice job of bridging the gap between 1996 and 2013, or 2005, technically. Just seeing this happen, seeing John Hurt as another Doctor we never knew before, that's really exciting, and lo and behold, Chibnall did it too. Number two, Ruth is the Doctor. Fugitive of the Jadoon was quite the episode in series 12, not only did we get Captain Jack, I've already mentioned, squealing at the TV, quite literally squealing at the TV, we thought that was the big surprise the BBC were teasing, but no! Ruth, this tour guide person, is a Time Lord, but not just any Time Lord, the Doctor Time Lord. Chibnall hadn't quite put his name on the show yet, and that's not in like a positive way. Most of the Chibnall discussion had been pretty negative, but at this point, he was about to make some waves. Waves big enough to be interesting, but not waves so big as Timeless Children. Moving on. So this lighthouse was the fob watch, and the Doctor finds a TARDIS buried outside. This does raise a lot of questions. Go and watch my ups and downs for Fugitive of the Jadoon to see all of those. I'm not going to go about them here. But this revelation was huge. As I said, shockwaves, not all of them necessarily bad, apart from people who found it difficult with it being a black woman. Come on, grow up. But... This was a big rug pull moment for middle of the series, not expecting that. And number one, all the master reveals. Okay, so I'm gonna cheat just a little bit here. I'm gonna put in three or sort of four entries into one because we've had four masters since the show rebooted. Derek Jacobi, John Sim, Michelle Gomez, and now Sasha Dwan. And each of these masters came about with a pretty good reveal. We didn't have the big build up to the master coming back apart from World Enough and Time. Thank you, BBC, you stupid f Series 3's Utopia introduced Professor Yana, who had a fob watch, and surprise, surprise, he's a Time Lord, whoops, he's the Master, who then regenerates into John Sim, who's Harold Saxon, the Prime Minister of Great Britain, we hear his name through the entirety of Series 3. Then we have Michelle Gomez's Missy, who was sort of present to people who died in that series, Series 8, and then revealed herself to be the Master, and that was like, oh my god, the Master's a woman and she's absolutely brilliant, oh my god. And then we have the even bigger rug pull of O in Spyfall, Sasha Dwan returning to Doctor Who in the actual show itself, not an adventure in space and time playing Waris Hussein as this, I don't know, MI6 operative? By the way, he's the master, big surprise, and a brilliant master at that. Let's hope that every time the master does come back, we get big, big surprises. It really goes with the showmanship the character's had over the course of its rebooted run. They may not be the most devious of villains the Doctor's come up against. I mean, I'd say kind of the Daleks win that. I always cite Stolen Earth and Journey's End destroying literal matter in the universe to be the only existing things. That's pretty damn dark, but the Master always tends to be the most entertaining villain. And if every time they show up, they can keep pulling the rug out from under our feet, that would be fantastic. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.